Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. I'm Emma and my guest today is microblogger Charlotte Ellison who goes by the wonderfully poetic name on Instagram of mood swings and other things. Welcome to the podcast Charlotte. Thank you for having me Emma, it's nice to talk to you. We had a little mini discussion off air about how we could best describe you and came up with microblogger. You were just telling me uh, how you'd sort of you'd started off writing a blog and then sort of transitioned over to, to Instagram. What made you start start your blog originally? Was there anything in particular that prompted you? Do you know, no, I don't think, well, I think other than a sense of, I kind of, I've always really liked writing, and I kind of lost that once I turned into like a fully functioning adult and was no longer sort of in the education. <laughs> Have no free time. Yeah, you know, and um, <laughs> I found it really cathartic. There's been, and I, I am, I'm quite old school like that, I suppose. You know, when I've got something that's really weighing me down, I like to talk it out or I like to write it out. And I think I found it quite, I found it quite cathartic. And I think I'd had quite a chaotic few years, just in terms of my health, I suppose, and in terms of working out exactly what was going on with me at the time. And like my mental health wasn't brilliant. Uh, my anxiety was really bad and just writing about it seemed to kind of help me make more sense of it all I suppose and and put it into context and then there was a part of me that was also kind of well if I if I do this and I put it out there maybe it might help somebody else that feels the same way I don't think I had absolutely any idea whatsoever that there were quite so many women as I sort of subsequently you know months and years whatever later down the line sort of came into contact with via Instagram I had no concept that it was such a big thing um, yeah it's not just me <laughs> no you know but I did I did kind of I suppose there, there was an element of that to it just in terms of I want to share my story just in case you know somebody else I don't want other people to feel as terrified as I did because I was terrified for a time and I really thought there was something seriously, seriously wrong with me. And it turns out it's not, you know, it's, it's not anything serious <laughs> at all. It's quite straightforward. And, and actually it happens to every single woman. But because I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. So I suppose it, it, it wasn't anything more than that in the beginning. Yeah, we do hear that kind of time and time again that that people not always, but a lot of the time sort of struggle along. And as as you've said, you know, they they think it's just them until perhaps they they find kind of somebody like you on Instagram and just a sort of huge sigh of relief of like, you know, oh okay, this is it's not just me. This is, there are other people going out going through this out there as well. And I think that's one of the the reasons that your account has resonated with so many people is like, you know, you are very brutally honest about you know the kind of what you're you're going through your own experiences and I don't know I I I find it quite difficult to share on Instagram I don't know what it is I think I'm just quite a private person and I kind of have to really force myself kind of out of my comfort zone to the rare occasions that I might record a video does it get easier the more that you you've kind of done it have you got over the ick factor of kind of being on camera here's the thing right I think if you know me in real life you in real life (laughs) I I think a lot of people that know me and that have known me for years would describe me as probably something of an introvert I am not somebody that you know holds court in the kitchen at parties and I am not someone (laughs) that loves to be the center of attention um and that has been one of my 
one of the most amazing liberations of social media because I was someone that really missed the Facebook boat. Like Facebook came out when I was pregnant with my oldest daughter and I was, I'd always been quite smug about that because had I been in the workplace, I think I'd have been on it constantly with people But because I was kind of of an age where I had a baby and, you know, uh, my focus was everything on that. I, I kind of missed the Facebook boat and I was always quite smug about the fact that, you know, I didn't really do social media. I had an Instagram page, uh, a private Instagram page where I used to put, you know, pictures and things occasionally, but, but that was about my limit. And it's, weird I've I still don't really can't get my head around how I do show up on Instagram sometimes and just don't give a shit do you know what I mean and it's um yeah and as I say I found that extremely liberating because I am not you know and I always get really nervous when I meet people in person particularly people that I've met through Instagram because I kind of feel like oh shit they're gonna feel like They've got this impression yeah. of you as a very gregarious, yeah. outgoing. I do kind feel of... a bit like, oh, they're going to feel a bit shortchanged because actually, you know, it, it's very odd how at ease I am chatting to my phone. But it is literally like just, it's like a sounding board that doesn't answer back, if that makes sense. Except it does because obviously when you put something mm. out there and you get feedback back from people that are watching it, that's amazing and lovely. And that's always been, you know, brilliant but fascinating to me as well because it's just kind of you know what what you know what is it that but equally yeah it it is something that I'm constantly trying to encourage other people to do because I'm like honestly and it does become easier it does become one of those Mm -hmm. things that I think the more you do it the less you care about it for sure but it is it is weirdly at odds you know I read uh, I don't know a few months ago you you can be an introvert extrovert or something along those lines yeah yeah sum me up in some respects because it's it's just weird how you can do it because you don't feel like it's it's going out to anybody specific, if that makes sense. And I think that's why I find it probably easy. And I actually quite enjoy it. It's like if I've got something in my head, and I want to just kind of like get it. a confessional. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's just like a sounding board, you know. Um, but yeah, it is strangely at odds sometimes with how I can present myself uh, in in real life in non social media life, shall we say at times. Yeah. <laughs> Offline. Yeah, offline. That's the way. That's the yeah. way. Yeah. Were there times when you felt a bit of trepidation in terms of what you were, if you were about to share something that was very raw or very difficult for you? Or I don't know, have there been times where you've sort of done it and then hit the delete button or, or kind of had to really think about No. I'm going to be really honest with you. No. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to lay the credit for that at all the amazing people that follow me and just are so supportive I think as a community of women the menopause perimenopause whatever you want to call it midlife community on Instagram I just think has always been nothing but wonderful and lovely and supportive to me and no I've never ever worried about I think sometimes when it comes to the actual nitty-gritty of things you know like talking about periods I think for example some women just find yuck you know and it's kind of like the language and the stuff that you and I mean by very nature of talking about things like menopause and perimenopause you know some of the symptoms some of the side effects some of the things we want to talk about are 
are not conversation friendly in many respects you know and that's what's interesting again isn't it is it's just kind of like you ha- you try and initiate those conversations sometimes you're down the pub with your mates or you're at work with and it's like you can see people physically recoil because it's just too mm-hmm. embarrassing Lynch. yeah and yet again it's just like within the little instagram world i don't kind of feel like those boundaries exist it's um so no no i don't think i've ever felt like i've had to um to filter anything or certainly there's nothing in my story or kind of anything I've experienced that I would deliberately think no I can't say that because I have filmed myself when I've been sitting on a bench crying my eyes out and I don't know why and I think it's important to show that and share that because I think it's the rea- the same reality for a lot of women you know and I well, so, so much of Instagram is the shiny, shiny and the, you know, here I am on holiday or kind of, you know, living my best life kind of stuff. And, and actually, I, I think that's why what you're doing resonates with, with so many people is that kind of vulnerability and that realness. Thank you. I mean, I think for me, it's always it is a journey of kind of ups and downs, you know, the nature of kind of the hormonal roller coaster that it is means that some days you feel like you're on top of the world. And some days you don't want to get out of bed, you know, and I and I just think it's important <laughs> to just be realistic about that because there have been occasions where I've thought, God, people must think I'm bipolar or something, you know, because how can I be, you know, on there one day and be like, oh, la, 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 you know, and then the next day be a right miserable cow and I've got no makeup on and I look like crap. And, and I just think, but that's how it is for me. You know, some days you just never know what you're going to get and it's not always consistent and it's not always linear and I just think I like to follow accounts where I think people are similarly real you know as as you say I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors sometimes on social media in terms of what some people want to present and put across and you know what that works for some brands for some products for some influencers you know that's their whole image and their business is built on kind of what this image that they're selling that's perfect and but yeah, you know, as someone that's nearly 50 in the middle of a shitstorm that's perimenopause, my life doesn't look like that, you know, and I just think for me, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it if it wasn't real, because I just think I'm not, I'm not into fakery or, yeah, just pretending to be anything other than, than what it is, I suppose. Is it interesting that you're talking about the sort of the roller coaster? I was sort of showing my husband a, sort of a graph basically of kind of what the estrogen is doing in that kind of perimenopause. And, you know, I'm waving my hand up and down, but obviously you can't hear me because I'm on the I'm on a podcast. But, it's, you know, it's essentially it's, it's oscillating from very, very low up to high. And, it, you know, it's constantly doing that all the while that it is dropping. And he said, you know, that was just really interesting to kind of see that so represented so visually and kind of understand a little bit a tiny bit about that roller coastering of of hormones and and I think I think maybe that's sometimes what's harder for kind of partners to grasp is that it can be absolutely fine in the morning and today I was crashing about the kitchen this morning because I was just in a peri meadow rage about not being able to find something in the kitchen and there was just crap everywhere and poor husband came in and was like just take a deep breath and I you know I nearly stabbed him with a teaspoon but (laughs) (laughs) you know and and then you know an hour later completely fine but I think that that's that's kind of quite hard sometimes for for somebody to understand if they haven't yeah and I think I'm lucky in that respect but I think my husband's had no choice but to learn really because I was pretty horrendous in the beginning you know and I think it yeah messed up you know and I think that was quite frightening for 
I don't think he would have said so at the time, but I think it was confusing. It causes conflict. Do you know what I mean? Because there, mm. there's so much more to it than just being a Mardi cow, you know, or just being aggy with people for no reason. It's it's not like that, is it? And I think it pervades so much of my life, our family life at times, not all day, every day, but there are some days no. where, as you just said, you, you can be doing something really mundane, but you're losing your shit or the rest of my family can be carrying on as normal and just the sound of their voices is doing my head in to the point where I've got to go, <laughs> yes. got to go to another that's a huge thing yeah. for me the noise sensitivity yeah. sometimes and you can't explain it it's like it sounds ridiculous it's like you know you're just breathing too loud yeah, or... <laughs> no, but it's real isn't it and that's the thing and it's so difficult because it's literally like I can be sat in front of the tv sometimes if it's, it's up too loud or there are too many people talking at the same time I'm literally sitting on my hands kind of like oh, I can't I can't sit still you know because it's driving me nuts yeah. and then it's or having to turn the car stereo down because you're you know like trying to navigate somewhere yeah. you've never been before I'm like children I'm yeah. turning the radio off that whole ability to kind of like focus on anything other than the one thing that you need to you know it just goes doesn't it and it's so frustrating and it's difficult for them because you go from being this kind of adept multitasker to someone that you know kind of is capable and manages everything and then you suddenly do become this bumbling kind of idiot I'll I'll, I won't use the word that I would usually use because it's rude but you know and and it's kind of you're confused by it they're even more confused by it you know but I think the only way kind of through that sort of thing is is to just be completely honest you know I'm uh, a big advocate no definitely this. spend a lot of time apologizing yeah, to, and, and just holding <laughs> your hands up and saying do you know what it's not nice you know and I'm sorry but it's not I can't help it and yeah but I mean it comes down to lack mm. of education doesn't it at the end of the day across the board I mean we don't teach we don't know enough about it at our age in our generation and I just think even my kids I don't think they've really been taught a great deal and I mean they're still going through the secondary system but I think they probably will have a better understanding just because I don't I don't, I don't lie about it you know and if I'm getting if I'm crying over something absolutely ridiculous and dumb you know I'm just like honestly I don't know why I'm crying it's okay though I'm fine it's okay <laughs> your, your your two are a bit older than mine I think they're, they're both teenagers so so reassure me that it's going to be okay when mine uh mine are teenagers and, and all the hormones are kind of going all the time how have you ever had any kind of Oh, it's hideous. Head to head. Moment. Oh, it's hideous because <laughs> I've got two girls. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, go- you know, and that's, again, I think that's one of the really, Mother Nature is not a very nice person, is she really? Because she sort of sets perimenopause. It's a cruel joke. She sets perimenopause upon you, literally, just as your kids go into their own kind of maelstrom of hormones. And um, so, I mean, my oldest daughter's just turned 18 and my youngest is about to turn 15. And I mean, it's not a good cocktail in this house at certain times of the month shall I say you know and that's what I mean when I say my husband's had no choice but to learn really because I was the oldest of three girls so I I, I do wonder how my dad managed yeah. to kind of uh, come through the, all of that unscathed yeah. So. yeah it's a lot it's asking a lot I think it tests their patience for sure but equally I think it's a very deep learning curve and I think it um 
you know, I hope that they will have a bigger appreciation perhaps of what to expect and what's coming as they grow older, perhaps. How do your girls feel about you being on social media? Are they sort of secretly quite uh, proud of your... Uh... <laughs> it's a little bit of a that I've got more followers than they have, to be fair. So, I mean, that, you know, uh, but it doesn't carry any kudos, sadly. I mean, I've had to work very hard to keep my profile because, I mean, in actual fact, you know, nobody in my life calls me Lottie. I'm Charlotte to most and Charlie to people that have known me sort of since I was a teenager mm. when I was too cool to be called, called Charlotte. So I insisted everybody called me Charlie. But when I came to Instagram and started writing, because I work in a school and because both my children go to the school that I work at, and obviously, therefore, there is kind of no separation in many respects between mm. a lot of the social media. I didn't want to be inundated with kids from the school where I work asking to follow me. I didn't look like Miss, Miss, yeah. Um, and so that's why um, my profile is obviously set to Lottie because I thought no one's going to recognize that, they won't know that's me. Do you know what I mean? mean and I mean so far so good in the years that I've been doing it it's worked really successfully but I think in a lot of ways they're quite proud of me because I have got very in the beginning they were like oh mum you're so cringe some of the stuff you say and I just don't give a shit I'm like but I'm nearly 50 I'm not 18 so I don't care what you think do you know what I mean and again it's been really liberating in that regard and I'd like to hope that they're a little bit proud of me the eldest one tells me that she's proud of what I'm doing and she's quite Aww. open about it you know to, to people that she knows I think the younger one is still at that stage where obviously it would be very cringy if someone was to point out I've seen your mum on Instagram um and I do and I do I am mindful sometimes when some of the posts that I put up just because I think would I ever you know would I be happy if someone ever came across that at some point but as I say for the most part it doesn't really yeah it doesn't really have a bearing on what I do and you've talked this week uh, on on your um, account about deciding that you're 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 going to go cold turkey and, and give up drinking yeah. so maybe talk about that a little bit because I think it's something that a lot of us get to this point and start thinking that the trade-offs maybe just aren't aren't worth it anymore is is it something that you've been thinking about doing for a long time yeah quite a while I think really I mean I don't want to get into demonizing alcohol because I just think I am you know, when it comes to my diet and things like that, I've I think I've gone I've gone very restrictive at times in the past. That's not healthy, you know, and I think that was more symptomatic of kind of my mental health at the time than it was a physical thing. But I know for sure that for me and I think for a lot of people, restriction is not a good out and out restriction is not a good thing. And actually a little bit of everything in moderation does you no harm whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? That's generally kind of the way I try to eat and drink a lot of the time but I'd be lying if I said that number one alcohol just doesn't really agree with me anymore or wine certainly doesn't agree with me anymore I think I was definitely part of the knackered mums club in my 30s you know I always had a bottle of wine in the fridge I used to have a glass probably pretty much every night once my kids went to bed at about seven o'clock because that was my treat because I'd earned it and I can't cope with wine anymore it doesn't agree with me and I'll be really honest as I say I'm not you know, this is not to demonise alcohol, but I just think there's a lot of shit in wine that is not good for you. I think it's responsible for quite a lot of 
how you feel in terms of low mood and things like if if it's something that you're drinking often and regularly and I say that as someone that was doing that you know I wasn't drinking a bottle a night or anything like that but having a glass two glasses every night most nights would then show up in my mood the following day you know and I was irritable and I was bad tempered and I had no patience and I was moody and yeah I think it's it's just not great for me and I don't drink a great deal I never have been a big drinker I hate being I'm a, I'm a typical Capricorn I'm a control freak I like to be in control I don't like to... <laughs> fellow Capricorn Yay! here I hear you <laughs> so I don't like Birthday. I, I shouldn't have said that at the beginning. Uh, you just celebrated um, a birthday. So I'm, I've never been a big drinker. I can't stand being hungover. I just think it's a gross waste of a day to be, you know, holed up in bed, mm. hanging over the side of it, like wanting to vomit. So I am, um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I've never really been a big drinker because I just can't stand being hungover primarily. But, and I just got to a point a while ago, probably over a year ago where I just thought is there really any point in this because I just have one every so often and while I could argue to myself well well you know a bit like with the food thing I think as I wrote I never shut the door on anything food wise I mean I I like to eat like a vegetarian but I'd never say that I'm giving up meat because I actually enjoy meat when I want it so I've kind Mm. of just been adopting a similar attitude to alcohol really and then when when I thought about it over Christmas I just thought I don't I drink so rarely and such a small amount that I just think wouldn't it what's the point from a health perspective it'd be easier just to say I don't yeah, drink at all yeah you know mm. or at least try so that's that's all I'm you know and it's been really interesting actually because I mean I've had a lot there's been quite a lot of comments on that thread today all of which that have been super encouraging there've been a number of people that have actually said oh I've done something similar given it up for a year and then I just have the odd one occasionally and I just think I could see me doing that in the future but equally I think I could also see me not drinking again in the future so I think I'm just going to try and stick with yeah not having a drink and and see how you know how I feel about that yeah but I do I feel I don't know why but I do feel like it's a really awkward subject for people you know or an uncomfortable subject and I'm not sure what it is about it that provokes that in people it's so normalized isn't it it's that kind of peer pressure thing I was actually talking to my husband about it earlier because he's starting a new job next week where there'll be kind of regular events Mm. in the the sort of the center and you know there'll be kind of drinks afterwards that's hard isn't it I think yeah 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 but but what but why do we have to make it so so difficult to be that kind of squeaky wheel that's like oh you know be apologetic have you got any non-alcoholic beer or you know is there anything for me as as the non-drinking person apart from orange juice or or water that's just a bit more kind of interesting so so much you know so much of our social culture is tied up in alcohol but interestingly though someone did put on the thread about doing a sober rave and I thought yeah I'm well up for that actually so I'm going to go back and and read that comment because I thought (laughs) that's got to be a good crack surely that's got to be good yeah and you know definitely part and parcel of it I just think it's about looking at what what I can do instead you know opening my eyes a bit and being a bit more kind of to other ways to spend time aside from being in the pub but that's not to say I don't like being in the pub I do like being in the pub I'm not gonna have a drink <laughs> I don't know I, I, I 
been talking around the sort of you know the the drinking not drinking topic quite a lot and and definitely definitely we cut back a lot at the end of last year but then you know kind of had this not binge drinking over Christmas and New Year but definitely drinking kind of more at normal levels and now kind of gone back to to, to not really drinking at all so yeah I'm, I'm I, yeah I don't know it's kind of still still undecided on, on that one I might as you say might sort of just be a every now and then drinker yeah. whatever yeah but there's is, nothing so. wrong with that you know I don't think I think it's we I don't know we get so hung up on this kind of it has to be all or nothing it's not healthy really and as I say I stand by what I, I do think a little a little bit of everything in moderation is absolutely fine and it's not for me to preach to anybody else it's just a personal thing in terms of I drink so rarely and if I drink in any great quantity it doesn't seem to agree with me so actually I'm just coming to a personal decision about is there really any point for me but I, I know plenty of people that can drink well and it doesn't affect them, you know, and that's great. But I'm just not one of those people, unfortunately. So the aftermath or whatever, even, even if it's not a hangover, just feeling rubbish for longer. Yeah, and it, it shows up in terms of I tend to have, I don't really have a problem with hot flushes usually because I don't have a great deal of caffeine in my diet and it's just not a symptom that's ever really troubled me. But I do notice it if I have a drink. And I tend to ping awake at sort of three in the morning if I've had a drink and I'm wide awake, Mm. you know. And I mean, at this stage in my life, like no sleep or crap sleep is just like the worst thing you can do to me. (laughs) It's just like... Yeah. So why would you willingly make make that happen? (laughs) Fades like every aspect of the following day very negatively for me if I have not slept well. So yeah, I'm afraid like I have reached that sad point in midlife where I'm just like anything for a good night's sleep, you know. So yeah, I've always got to go. And do you think you'll uh, do you think you'll keep uh, micro blogging kind of as as things roll along or? if and when the the symptoms stop, will that be the end, or will it just morph into something else? I I don't know. You know, I'd like to think it would morph into something else. I love. I just love the connection that I have from it. You know, it's just brought me into contact with so many amazing people. The conversations that you get to have just expand your world a little bit. And there's something really mm. lovely about that because I think ten years ago I'd have been very much the sort of person that would just be kind of like, no, I've got all my friends. Don't need any more friends. Thank you very much. And I just think I've met and made friends with so many people online but also in person and that's just been it's given me such a sense of fulfillment and a sense of camaraderie and a purpose in some respects because obviously you know when when I do get some really nice feedback about thank you for sharing this or oh my god I'm so grateful because I just thought I was the only one and that really does give me a huge well it is just a sense of real like it just makes me feel happy and I get a lot out of it I think it's really simple it's a really simple way to yeah help boost me it's quite selfish really in a way but I think I will keep writing about it I mean I think the first 18 months two years I was doing it I was writing a post a day I can't keep that up anymore because just by nature of kind of the the response that a post kind of uh is the brain fog in action can't think of the word that <laughs> oh the, the comments and yeah. the kind of the interaction you know, the, for the, yeah the, 
the two-way kind of thing that gets going every time you put a post. I don't have enough hours in my day because of working. I don't have enough hours in my day. And I feel bad about that because I do feel a sense of kind of responsibility in as much as if I'm writing something and inviting that response, it's important to me that I go back to everybody that's taken the time to respond. But it, invariably, you know, the more the account grows, the, the longer that takes and the harder that is sometimes to fit in in terms of just with real life and having to go to work and stuff like that. So I certainly don't post as often now, but I, I, yeah, I think I will continue to write for as long as, you know, I'm going through a relatively calm period at the moment, she says, touching all the wood that she's you need some material (laughs) and you can you can read that into kind of my Instagram I suppose because when it's bad and there's a lot going on you know I'm ranting on the daily I think at the the moment I seem to have found kind of a supplement regime that appears to be working or doing quite a lot for me and I do feel quite settled and and as though everything's on an even keel. Now, I'm not stupid enough to think that's going to last forever because it generally doesn't. But I think that does impact on kind of how much I feel I've got to say, because whilst it's, I think it's important to acknowledge when things are going great, obviously it doesn't give you a great deal to kind of you just go, oh, and then it almost feels a little bit like you're crowing because obviously there's a lot of people that are still really struggling. Mm. Oh, actually, I'm all right over here for the time being, you know, but... But that's part of the, that kind of authenticity again, isn't it? It's like, you own it, own it when it's good and yeah, own well, it when this it's, is true. When it's know, absolutely that's, not. That's the thing. And I mean, it's as I say, I'm not naive enough to think it's going to stay that way forever. I very much doubt it. But I think it's, um, I've come a long way since the beginning. I think things were very, very bad for a period before I even got to Instagram. And I think by the time I got to Instagram, I'd already come over probably my biggest hills in terms of challenges with my mental health and kind of physical symptoms and things like that and I think it was challenging just Mm. because I didn't really understand it at the time you've said that you you were put on antidepressants at at one point but they they didn't really no agree with you I hated them I really hated them you know and again that's just that's my personal experience they you know I but what was interesting was I'd been in and out of my doctor's on numerous occasions after I'd had my second daughter. So the best part of my mid to late 30s, I don't think my hormones ever recovered properly after I gave birth the second time, if I'm honest. And I think, um, Mm. you know, and, and every time I went in and I just it's really vivid for me sitting you know the memory of sitting in front of my doctor and just getting really upset and being like but I don't understand why one day I feel fine and the next I don't you know nothing's changed in my life and I was going back to a time where you know I didn't have anything to worry about I was a stay-at-home mum you know I was really lucky I didn't have to go to work you know everything was kind of quite stable and secure and it was just really confusing to me as to why I felt so low at times but there was never really any conversation around the flux fluctuation you know it was just a have these and so every time I left with the impression that they thought I was depressed because they were just prescribing me antidepressants and I just thought but I'm not depressed I can't be depressed because some days I feel fine and I, I look back and think how could you be so stupid as to not think that oh this is hormonal because it's really obvious and clear now but obviously <laughs> it just didn't even enter my kind of sphere of consideration back then and I mean it got really bad you know I only took the antidepressants because by that point I'd hit my first episode of intrusive thoughts which were horrendous and really really difficult to to deal with 
very upsetting. Mm. It was incredibly traumatic. And I mean, I literally went to the doctor's just before New Year's Eve that year and broke down like really badly. And I mean, she again, she just pushed the prescription across the desk and said, I think you need you need these, you need to take these. And I mean, I just desperately wanted anything at that point that was going to stop what was going on because it it just felt confusing and I felt like I was losing my mind a bit and and I didn't get it. And again, to someone that's so used to being in control, the worst feeling ever is to not have any control whatsoever over anything. And I thought, oh, taking these tablets, you know, that's going to help me control this. I have to say it didn't. It made me feel 10 times worse. But that's... That's my personal experience. I know lots of women that have been helped tremendously with PMDD, lots of perimenopausal symptoms by taking um, citalopram and, uh, and Prozac and other sorts of antidepressants. So I don't want to demonise them for everybody. They've definitely got a place, but they they really didn't help me. But they did help me perversely in a weird way because it galvanised me to just say, uh, I'm not doing this. I've got to look at what else I can do to help myself because this isn't working. This isn't the way, you know. And I mean, that's very much what put me on a path to kind of just reading, learning, educating myself and understanding, you know, exactly what was going on hormonally and then looking at kind of all the things I could do around that. Mm. Was there a sort of a light bulb moment then for you where you were kind of like, ah, perimenopause? Yeah, I think I... Well, I came across, actually, I was reading an article and it was by a guy called Nick Panay and he is Mm -hmm. uh, a gynaecologist at the Chelsea and West, or was at the time, I think, Um, but he either set up or was very heavily involved in kind of a menopause clinic at the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. And I just remember reading an article there and I, uh, or not there, but by him and thinking, oh, And then I'd never heard the term perimenopause before that. You know, I thought menopause, my mum had a book on her bookshelf that was um, Miriam Stoppard and it was how to deal with your menopause. And it was Miriam Stoppard in a leotard, you know, and then that was the front cover of the book. And then that to me was menopause, sort of a woman of about 55 in a leotard. And (laughs) yeah you know I'd never heard the term perimenopause or thought that you could be in this sort of transition period that could go on for years before you actually hit the point of technical menopause so yeah that was a bit of a that was kind of and also the other thing that was a light bulb moment was I went to a homeopath I was recommended an amazing amazing homeopath by a friend of mine and she gave me what the doctor didn't which was her time and she just sat down Mm. and explained very much about the endocrine system and how it's linked to all the body's other systems and she did this brilliant analogy uh, of an orchestra and she just said look it's really straightforward you know if one section of the orchestra isn't playing to time then it throws everything else out and it just all made sense you know I was like oh yeah that's really straightforward isn't it that's interesting that you say that because I think yeah so often just that act of being deeply heard Mm. is is a real game changer for people Absolutely. And she she listened. And then, you know, the best thing was she just said, I can help you. I can help you to feel better. It's not going to be quick. But because she was like, your hormones are all over the place. Because I'd had my bloods tested by that point and all my hormone levels. And I mean, the NHS tests had come back as well you're within normal range. But I mean, if you do some research as to what the NHS 
normal range is you know it's kind of so vast that you can be up one end or right down the other end and still be considered normal when when of course you know it's fluctuating hour to hour day to day anyway so yeah it's you don't obviously need to have your hormone levels tested if you're within a certain age now to you know to be diagnosed Mm. as perimenopausal but I mean um back then I suppose I was looking for some sort of validation which I didn't get because you know as I say the GPs were very much kind of oh this is this all looks normal but she was very much kind of like everything you're describing just fits with kind of yeah the fact that your hormones are starting to just play up a little bit and um yeah that 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 was really helpful to me because it did just there's a lot to be said I think for having your mind put at rest you know once for me knowledge was very much part of a a big part of being able to settle the anxiety side of things around what the hell's happening to me you know once I knew it (laughs) and understood it it didn't have quite so much power over me you know I didn't find it quite so frightening so that's so true Well, thank you for everything that you're doing to uh, reassure the good citizens of Instagram that they're not alone, that if they they feel like throwing teaspoons at their significant other over the breakfast table, there's probably somebody else feeling very similar. (laughs) Charlotte, it was such a a delight to to chat to you. Thank you again. And um, mood swings and other things over on Instagram, we'll put a link to your account in the show notes so that everybody can find you and follow you. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been really nice chatting. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when the next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.